Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Greetings, comrades. Je Belarus. Welcome to the Eastern Border. It was extremely hard for me to make this episode. I didn't want to rush it because of how um, how important it is for me and what it even means to talk about these events. And, um, well, like I told you, uh, when things happen as they do since 2014, I've... I've given an oath to myself as a journalist that I'll try to give you the best stuff out there and that I'll try to inform you Westerners about what's happening here and and it's really hard to do right now. See, it's an emotionally distracting subject and um, also I have received a lot of emails from people in Belarus while their internet was still working and then it wasn't and now it sort of kind of is but we'll get to that, okay? Because right now there are rumors about everything. I had to verify personally a lot of things, but this is going to be a very in-depth study of the people and events there that are still ongoing. And I had to wait a bit so that I can get some tendencies going on and uh, see the process of everything and make some prowl predictions. I was supposed to give out some shoutouts in this episode um, before the dark part happens. Um, hi, Loren. Hope you're doing well. But yeah, well... It's kind of a Dan Carlin's question at the beginning. I mean, I don't know. I, I know that a lot of my listeners have served in the military or are in some way tied to the tied to the police structures and shilaviki, or the strong people, how they're called in Russian, you know, those kind of guys. And one thing that I don't understand is for how long these Omon people, these Belarusian police, Spetsnaz people, for how long can you endure getting orders to beat up innocent, peaceful protesters? I mean... If you think about it, they're also kind of, you know, human. And do they truly believe that these people are the enemies of the state? What's What What drives them? Is this some sort of the same sort of um, executioner-style torture frenzy sadists that go to work in these places? Because I know not all of them are, because right now a lot of these people are just, you know, burning your uniforms and saying that they're ashamed of their service and in this part of the service of the country, but 
even like physically, isn't it kind of exhausting to go out and literally beat up people with your rubber stick? And then you, you know, flashbang some people, and then you fire rubber bullets at them, and then you fire rubber bullets at the building windows where in the upper floors people are filming and chanting against the brutal beatings and arrests and more beatings and cars crashing into people downstairs. Also, you know, they've been literally using their sticks to crash, like basically smack their sledgehammers and sticks into driving cars so that force them to stop and then literally dragging people out of those cars and then beating them up, arresting them and then beating them up once again. And they're in all these black uniforms with their helmets on and everything and, and I'm just thinking, at one point after these five days of protest, I'm just thinking, well, isn't it physically difficult to go out and know that you're fighting against your own people and you have to wear this in the summer heat, this uniform and your hard helmet and everything, and just your job is to drag people out and beat them up. What's the motivation here? And they've also beaten Geneva conventions and everything at this point. They've uh, just documented that they have repainted their police cars, well, their vans, to look like ambulances so that they could sneak up on people and break, like, blockades and, uh, you know, just roll out of a something that looks like an ambulance and beat people up with stakes and shoot rubber bullets at them, even if they're just walking their dogs. They have been ordered to literally drive into protesting crowds and they have obliged. Thankfully, as far as I know, only two officially confirmed dead for now, but I think the number is higher because two is what I can 100% sure guarantee that, yes, that is true, and we have papers and everything, but I believe there are many more, but I can't guarantee that. Amount of people documented of who have been injured severely is in many hundreds, and it's so huge and the trauma is so severe that even the medics are coming out of protest, and I watched a video where a 65-year-old patalog anatomy guy was coming out and telling that, you know, after what he's seen, you know, these people who have been beaten up in protests, a medic told an interviewer, by the way, both got beaten up later by the police, but that was on, on YouTube, that um, they've dragged a person to the ambulance and his spinal fluid was coming out of his ears. Another lady lost her baby and was literally bleeding through, well, everything that you can bleed through, literally. They don't care. They'll beat you up. And I mean, there are about 15,000 Oman special police officers and there's 10 million people of Belarus and... I'm just wondering, for how long... How long can you take that there's been a rigged election and your Lukashenko candidate has chosen the path of blood and violence and beating up their own fucking people? This just makes me vomit. And yeah! Medics are protesting because they have to deal with injuries they didn't even expect in peacetime. The youngest person, by the way, to get severely injured by cops currently is a five-year-old girl. She was sitting in the back of a car on day three, and they tried to block the roads, but as did not get violently crashed, they just drove through main roads extremely slowly, all the while honking to stop the Oman vehicles from getting to protesters where they could beat people up. And there was just this car at the very back of it. You know, not even participating in this, but, you know, they just had to go somewhere. And what happened was that the cops, pretending to be an ambulance van, crashed into the car, 
this little girl's parents were driving, causing severe damage to the girl because she was sitting in the back seat, and she got a, a glass shrapnel in her head. Gotta have 16 stitches in the hospital. Was bleeding out, too. And while she was bleeding out, and no one cared about her, no one informed the cops, that is. Her parents were both dragged out of the car, severely beaten, arrested, and then severely beaten again. Oh, and everyone who's arrested, again, like I told you, gets severely beaten while being in police custody, including journalists. Around 50 have been arrested and <laughs> abducted and just for talking to the opposition candidates. They beat up a BBC correspondent yesterday. But this... This is just a spiral. More and more people are coming out. And a lot of people who are in positions of power are resigning. You know, celebrities and TV show hosts and uh, a lady who has a Nobel Prize in literature. Yeah, she called for Lukashenko to stop before this turns into a civil war. This is spiraling out of control and Lukashenko now has blood of his own people on his hands, but he's going to lose. No doubt about it, because from the number of even previous propagandists and Spetsnaz people, like I said, the Spetsnaz people who have some dignity, they're burning their uniforms and just publicly stating on Telegram channels or whatever they can that they hate this government and they gave that oath to protect the people and not some sort of tyrant. Yeah, they're leaving. At any rate, like I said, this whole thing makes me disgusted. But it's a story that must be told, and I want to give you the most accurate version. I'll be continuing on this, and we'll get more Belarus episodes, but it's day five of the protests, and... I'm gonna go through this in a bit of a chronological matter. We'll just do some catching up in this one. Obviously, as events evolve, I'll cover everything, but... But one thing is certain. In Belarus, currently, you can only see people who voted for the opposition, and the Spetsnaz, literally committing war crimes against them. And the so-called 80% Lukashenko support, and everything tied around that, is nothing but a damn fiction. Violent and dangerous at that. I had waited for this election to happen, so... I probably told you about this before, about three ladies in opposition who are... Husbands are all family members of them. We're in custody by this point, who tied up, and um, the election basically was between Lukashenko and his main opponent, Tikhonovskaya, wife of opposition candidate who ran a YouTube channel called uh, Belarus, a country for life. He basically did his YouTube channel by uh, traveling around the country and just talking to people, telling them how life actually was in Belarus and how much Lukashenko of his 26 years of rule had managed to devolve this country into, well, nothing. They're way poorer than we are in the Baltics, even though we just neighbor them. So, all the other candidates, all the campaigns of other two major candidates, led by women at that point, because all the men were arrested, they joined hands and joined together to vote for Tikhonovskaya, whose only goal was to create a honest election after she wins. And the thing is, Lukashenko is a super misogynistic person. He said himself that a woman cannot be a president of Belarus because, you know, she hasn't served into the army or whatever. But these three women proved and showed that instead they are strong and they can lead the people. And weird things happen. You know, I went out to the Belarusian embassy in Latvia during the election day. And there was a crowd there and reportedly there were crowds all over the place in Belarusian, next to Belarusian embassies and many people were just not let in. 
And it was a heat, a super large heat for Lathi, about 30 degrees Celsius. And I know that a lot of you listeners out there from, like, you know, Texas or other hotter places, you think it's, like, not a lot. But for us who are used to, well, at most 20 degrees Celsius being normal, that's immense heat. And we literally melt at plus 30. And I went there together with uh, Calvis, my manager. We spoke with people. And everyone was afraid. The cops were looking us uh, strangely until we showed them our press cards and spoke to people. But the people were afraid even to talk to me. The people were very wary. And what I noticed is that, you know, before talking to me and being open about their opinions and whatever, they used code phrases. You know, uh, when Belarusian opposition channels on YouTube or elsewhere, they uh, post their stuff, they ask people to subscribe and leave comments so that they could get in YouTube trends. And one of the most popular comments out there was... I am posting this comment because I am not indifferent about how my country ends up. And before even talking to me, they were so wary of Russian provocateurs, they were so wary of their own country oppressing them, that before doing this, they always kind of slipped this one tagline, I am not indifferent to what happens into my country, and other, other smaller lines into their speech, and they really checked if I recognized them. So I, after hearing these, I really had to explain that, yes, I know what Babariga is, and I know their election candidates, and I know their YouTube channels, before they even spoke to me. And that's in Latvia. We're in the EU. Let me remind you that one. And even though we're an Eastern European country, we, we rank really high in a freedom index. We also have a super high gender equality and everything, but um, when you look at people who are so afraid of persecution and their government using violence, justifiably, as it turned out, to even speak to independent media about their opinions and what, what's going on and what are they going to do as they're voting. It shows a lot about what people actually think of Belarus. And I couldn't find in the polls anyone who would vote for Lukashenko at all. And I went to the pollsters because you'll be surprised, but sociological questionnaires are prohibited in Belarus. So are exit polling. And uh, foreign kind of, you know, people looking over the election and making sure it's fair, also prohibited. Have fun. And I went to the polling guys, and they also used these code phrases. They also were scared because they were working for the embassy. And had nice interviews, understood that, yeah, everyone's done with Lukashenko. But then, on the morning of August the 10th, the Russian election officials published the first preliminary results of the election... And according to those numbers, Lukashenko won more than 80% of the votes, while Tikhanovskaya got less than 10%. This is stupid. For one, and I listened to Alexander Nevzorov's uh, Nevzorovskiy Sredy, or Nevzorov's Thursdays, he's a great journalist, and I highly recommend listening to him if you understand Russian. This is dumb. He could have won by like 51%, and then, you know, people wouldn't be going out on the streets as much, but... What really shows that this election was completely fraudulent was the fact that there were some places where, you know, before the election, Tikhanovskaya stated and asked all the people working in the election committee to please try to your, try your best to be honest. And in every place where uh, these people honestly stated the vote counts, over 75% went to Tikhanovskaya. Everywhere. 
there are videos of people coming out from election committees stating that we will not participate in the fraudulent vote. Here's the real results. And there was also one precinct in Belarus where people were like told if you voted for Tikhonovskaya, for the opposition candidate, you would um, fold your ballot in a certain way. And there have been like, you know, filmed moments where where there's a ballot box full, just full with these folded ballots in, the, in, in this one triangular way or something. And Lukashenko that wins by 90%, yeah. And we have now audio recordings of Lukashenko's uh, people who still are loyal to him coming out and yelling at people to these very few precincts who counted the votes honestly about how wrong they were. And according to my sources, and according to Nevzorov, and those are double sources because uh, I apparently know some people inside of Belarusian government that Alexander Nevzorov does, which is interesting, but still, Lukashenko had hired people of Putin's election campaign to make sure these false filed results are awesome and everything goes smoothly so that he doesn't have to do this super violent scenario. And these people managed to get it down to 80% only through sheer persuasion. They had been paid in full, but they weren't listened to. Because they told him, man, you can't do this, you can't falsify it that much, it's gonna end up really bad, and it has. And these, even these 80% is taking down Lukashenko, because there's a thing with dictators, they can't win with less percent than they won the last election. So, you know, they have to show that their popularity is growing. Lukashenko, according to the sources that I kind of name you or confirm to you, because otherwise uh, I'm afraid of their own existence. But uh, they used to be close to the government. Uh, two of them have resigned by this point, but so it's fine. Um, yeah, Lukashenko wanted 95% of the poll ballot thing. And the thing is, we can't really even find out the real numbers of the elections because um, it's all hidden. And in Belarus, it's very simple. They basically throw out the ballots and they write in the protocol numbers, whatever they want. It doesn't matter. If the ballot would be counted honestly, then, well, I think about 70% would be for Tikhanovskaya. That's the worst case scenario. And it was the dumbest like thing ever for Lukashenko to print out 80% support for him. And obviously, Tikhanovskaya's campaign refused to recognize the election numbers and said the government's numbers completely contradicted common sense, which they did. And in remarks on this Monday, she called on those who believe in the vote was stolen not to remain silent. So, mass protests erupted in major cities across Belarus on Sunday evening after voting concluded. Difficult to estimate crowd sizes, but my sources say that literally tens of thousands of people demonstrated in Belarus on election night. The largest assemblies occurred in Minsk, where riot police violently dispersed protesters by beating them up, breaking their legs, and just crashing them. Aided by bus drivers who used their vehicles to block roads, demonstrators tried to use dumpsters to build barricades in the streets. Police officers gradually escalated the level of force used against protesters, beginning with tear gas, moving to stun grenades, and finally rubber bullets, and now they've moved to real bullets, too. Those are rumors about real bullets, but real bullets have been fired, thankfully, only against the uh, buildings and uh, over protesters' heads, because this thing's escalating. Despite these brutal measures, protests in the capital continued until 3 a.m. local time. Around the same time, demonstrators in other cities started packing it in, chanting, Tomorrow, as they returned home. And at least one protester died already on Sunday night. That was the one that I posted about on the Facebook. The thing is, a police van rammed the crowd of demonstrators. One man died, 
Another three were injured by the same police vehicle. Dozens of injured protesters were hospitalized in Minsk as of Monday morning. The people fought back. 39 officers were wounded and more than 50 civilians also wounded and injured in Sunday night skirmishes. And at that time, one of my sources, Medusa, lost a journalist, Maxim Solopov, who was injured by the police, who was very seriously beaten after being arrested. They didn't even know what was going on. At the same time, Belarus effectively disabled its internet service on Sunday evening, and many local websites still remain inaccessible. The country's major news outlets, including Belta and Tut.by, were forced to move all the reporting to their channels on the instant messaging platform and Telegram. Most new coverage from the ground on the Belarus on late August 9, and still is, was transmitted over Telegram, especially content from Next Alive, which I highly recommend you sign up to if you're in Telegram, but it's just crazy. Now, that's about just the day after everything, uh, because as of this point, at least 7,000 people are arrested. At least 350 people have been severely injured, and minor injuries have been sustained by thousands more, and I can assure you that a lot of those people who have been arrested have also been severely beaten. Granted, as I record this episode literally a few hours ago, some of the people arrested in the first night of the protests have been released. They also will need to go to the hospitals for the most part because all of them have suffered severe beatings. The aftermath of this day one, Poland, the Baltic states, and Ukraine stated that we want to be the mediators before this. The violence must stop. We in the Eastern Bloc were the first ones because we watched this super closely to recognize that this was not an honest election. And by now, United States uh, and EU has followed, but as a Polish minister stated, and Poland has its own problems that I'll get to them eventually on the show, but the Polish minister has stated that the EU's reaction to this is way scarce and way, like, not enough. You can't have just random minor sanctions, you need to do something about it. But the trick is, as Russian observers, Russian opposition observers have stated, is the fact that everyone's a bit afraid of Lukashenko just going away, because what if Putin tries to get in his troops again? Because Russia's reaction to all this is uncertain. There were protests against this whole thing in Russia, next to the Belarus embassy, for three days, and there were, like, flowers and everything put there to commemorate the victims of the police violence. On the third day's evening, these protests were kind of dispersed, but there was no police violence in Russia against these protesters at this time, except on the first night, when the flowers and all the memorial signs were put down for the victims of Lukashenko's police violence. And three hours later, they were stomped out, literally stomped, with legs and everything. They just, you know, smashed them into pulp by uh, Russian cops. But official Putin's reaction is congratulating Lukashenko, same has been done by China. But nobody knows what's going to happen next. Because Russia, you know, Russia at the first looked like they're going to support Lukashenko because it's going to go over easy. But turns out people are not willing to back down so easily. Because the protests have continued in the same way. And protesters come out, they get beaten up, more protesters come out, famous people resign and everything just goes crazy for the past five days. And even this level of intense violence is even a bit for too much for Mr. Putin. 
the handle, in a way. It's just something that not even he is used to, and if he supports this, he'll look extremely bad in the political spectrum. Meanwhile, some things happened with the opposition leader Tikhonovsky herself, because her story is also a bit of a tragic one. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. See, Tikhanovskaya herself had made a statement about... The fact that, you know, she has won and it's obvious and all that stuff that I told you before. Then the Belarusian KGB kidnapped her. It was very obvious. She was forced. We don't know what she was threatened with. Her husband, her kids. Slatana Tikhanovskaya, who was basically winning, made a speech on the pro-government Telegram channel, Zolte Slive, without indicating any source. It was made in the background in... Um, the Central Investigation Committee, in the video, Tikhanovskaya reads her statement from a sheet of paper without looking at the camera, quote, I, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, thank you for your participation in the presidential election. The people of Belarus have made their choice. It is with gratitude and warmth that I appeal to all the citizens who supported me at all time. Belarusians, I call on you to exercise your better judgment and respect the law. I don't want bloodshed or violence. I ask you not to confront the police or go out into the public squares so as to not endanger your lives. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones. That's what Sikhanovskaya was forced to say, under obvious threats. Then she was let go. That's the thing. This happened at the Belarusian Central Investigation Committee building. Her campaign staff said she was being hurled that against her will. And Maria Kolesnikova, one of the Sikhanovskaya's political allies, later said, the person alone there for three hours with two law enforcement officers can end up reading out any text given to her. She escaped Lithuania with her kids. After this... Literally today, she has a new statement. Because obviously, as this came out, everybody understood that she was being held hostage and threatened. She was being massively threatened. 
And obviously, we don't even know what they did to her. And according to everything that has happened so far, it could have been pretty terrible things. As this was happening, factory workers at the Belarusian automobile plant, Belaz, which, by the way, is uh, the largest, one of the largest factories in Belarus, because Belarusian tractors and the uh, combines are uh, everywhere in the planet. They started to march out on company grounds on Thursday, chanting resign, addressing President Lukashenko. And these guys, these workers, assembled at the factory's main entrance around noon to meet with the management and demand free elections in Belarus. And there were a lot of people there. And the mayor came out and said, well, you know, it's obviously Lukashenko won. Why are you protesting? And there's a video on YouTube again where someone's screaming, hey, everyone who voted for Tikhonovsky, raise their hands. And everyone raises their hands and screams. And the mayor just stands there, dumbfounded. People are walking out for themselves, not for Tikhonovskaya. Because people were just intimidated. But that is no longer so. The only person still remaining in Belarus, and I'll get to what Tikhonovskaya said from Lithuania today later on. The only person remaining from the whole triumvirate of women of remaining in Belarus, Maria Kolesnikova, says she's not going anywhere. So she's now kind of in the center, too. And here's some notes from the interview with her uh, from Medusa, because Maria Kolesnikova was the campaign manager for Viktor Babarika, who was initially expected to be the main challenger in the 2020 Belarusian presidential election. Babarika was arrested, and Kolesnikova continued her work on the campaign trail as one-third of the opposition's women's triumvirate, alongside Veronika Tsepkalo, who escaped with her kids because... You know, her family was threatened and her kids were forced at school to write documents stating that she was a bad mom so that they could take her kids away. And Zlatana Tikhanovskaya, whose fate we just discussed. And as of today, Kolesnikov is the only one of these three who remains in Belarus because her two companions fled or were forced out by government pressure. Medusa spoke with her. Because like I said, on August 11th, Tikhanovskaya left for Lithuania and she was pressured into going. After this collapse of Triumvirate, Maria Kolesnikova, the one member who hasn't left Belarus, what does she plan to do next? The strategy is pretty clear, she says. Now we need to direct our, all of our efforts to helping those who suffered because of the election. Kolesnikova says this means providing assistance to the polling station workers who risk their own safety to report attempts to pressure them into falsifying voting results in favor of Lukashenko. It also means support for the several thousand people whom police have arrested their protests since Sunday. And, quote, we must help the hundreds of people who are in the hospital now after clashes with the police. She says she lost so Svetlana Tikhanovskaya walking into the Central Election Commissioner's office in Minsk, escorted by three men, apparently Omon, carrying video equipment. I didn't see her. Again, I only saw, like everyone else, her video message, says Kolesnikova, explaining that Tikhanovskaya went to Central Election Commission to file a formal challenge against Sunday's official election results. I saw the complaint on the desk on the Commissioner Lydia Hermoshia's office, but I know what happened to this sheet of paper. And this is kind of crazy. She's proud. She's strong, and she's staying in Belarus, and she's now organizing things. And she also points out that the President's dismissive comments about women played a role as well. Alexander Lukashenko stated blatantly that a woman couldn't be president, and 55% of the voters in Belarus are women, and you can't even imagine how that enraged them, says Kolesnikova. The future still remains a bit frightening, but I believe it's escalating in the right direction.
right now things are happening in Belarus because more and more people who used to be extremely loyal to the regime are stepping down from their offices. Thing is, even police officers and these Oman soldiers are going away. For one, a court in Novopolyatsk has acquitted the former police captain Yegor Yemelyanov of violating Belarusian laws and organizing demonstrations. The ex-cop was arrested earlier this week for publicly announcing his resignation from law enforcement in protest against the authorities' violent suppression of opposition protests across the country following presidential election. Yemelyanov states, quote, 17 years of service are done. My conscience is clear. The police are with the people, wrote Yemelyanov on Instagram. But his post now has nearly 400,000 likes and he's not a Belarus-only cop. He says that he's had enough. There's been a lot of them. On August 11th, two days after the start of mass demonstrations across Belarus, Navapolyatsk police captain Yegor Yemelyanov shared a photo on Instagram showing his police badge and shoulder straps announcing that he was leaving the force to preserve his conscience. The police are with the people, he wrote, borrowing a slogan chanted by many now demonstrating in Minsk and other cities. I cannot participate in this lawlessness any longer. I can't even look at how they're killing, beating, and insulting my people. I swore an oath to defend them, and until now, I've done it honestly and sincerely, and not for the sake of the authorities or for the money. After publishing his resignation announcement, the authorities arrested Ivelyanov for violating Belarusian laws on staging published assemblies. And there are many studies like this. Many cops are resigning because out of sheer violence and sheer brutality of what's going on. But as the brutality goes on, like I mentioned at the beginning, for how long can you beat up your own people? Major IT companies from Belarus. I mean, if you, if you didn't know, World of Tanks, the famous video game, also comes from Belarus. Their owner also has stated that, uh, another major IT company has stated that, you know, if these cops who are beating up people are afraid to lose their jobs and that they'll have no money, the IT companies are ready to help them get their new lives, just, you know, join the people. Stop working for Lukashenko. That's what they're doing. Because everyone knows what the situation there is. Otherwise, they threaten to leave the country as well and leave Belarus into the dustbin of history. It's escalating on both sides. The Amman people are beating people up and now they have to just let some people go because there is no place where to even hold the arrested people. But the people in mass are coming out more and more into protests. And I'll cover this even more in the future. Uh, because this is democracy in action. Like Benjamin Franklin said, the, the tree of liberty must sometimes be watered by the blood of the tyrants. If I remember the quote correctly. And Lukashenko's days are numbered because it doesn't look like Putin's even going to support him. The worst case scenario is that Lukashenko turns to Russia for help and asks them to come in with force. But then you can be assured that, you know, even the police will not help him. Anyway, I would like to end this episode with um, what Tikhanovskaya stated after moving to Lithuania in safety without being threatened and without looking like she's been beaten up herself badly. But yeah. This will all need to be covered in the future. But Medusa, thankfully, has provided for a full English translation of the speech. I started translating it myself, but they did it, so thanks, Medusa. I'll read it to you in full. Compare and contrast to the protests in your own countries if you've had any. 
and um, we'll be following this on extremely seriously. So here we go, comrades. The latest speech from Tikhanovskaya, who's now a Lithuanian in safety. And obviously her speech was all falsified and made up by strong-arming her to read the previous one from the paper. That was bullshit. We're fighting for liberty here in Eastern Europe. Belarus is right now the main place where the true fight, you know, against dictatorship happens. And I sincerely hope that if any terrible interactions happen there, I believe that all of us, all of us here in the post-Soviet bloc need to support this. And if you're an American too, and if you like liberty, then these people are going through your revolution right now. They're fighting against tyranny as well. So here's her speech. And with that, I'll end my episode with the speech, but I'll be back because we're not gonna leave Belarus until this is done. And I wish I could go there too. But I kind of am afraid to be arrested though. <laughs> so, gotta think about it. From Lithuania, where she was forced to move. Quote. Dear friends, we have accomplished the impossible in the past few months. Just half a year ago, no one believed that Belarusians could come together and say no to the old authorities. But this is what has happened. We turned out and we voted and we made our choice. And we did it by obeying the law peacefully and with dignity. I want to say thank you to the people who were alongside me through this. To my team, to the campaigns of Valery Chipskalo and Viktor Babariko. I want to say thank you to each and every person, every voter who voted for me and for change in our country. We, the supporters of change, are the majority, and we have got the receipts to prove it. We have copies of minutes where the election boards counted the votes honestly, where my support was between 60 and 70 percent, and it was 90 percent in Novaya Borovaya. Belarusians no longer want to live with the old authorities. Most of the country doesn't believe they've won. We've always said that we have to defend our election using only legal, non-violent means, but the authorities have turned the public's peaceful protests into a bloodbath. The situation is critical. It's with great pain that I've watched what's happened in our country over the past few days. For me, and I'm sure for each of us who supports change, the most precious thing is human life. We have to stop the violence in the streets of Belarusian cities. I call on the authorities to put a stop to this and agree to a dialogue. I asked the mayors of all cities to organize peaceful mass assemblies in every city on August 15th and 16th. We're seeing new peaceful demonstrations on the streets. Solidarity chains of women with flowers, completely non-violent. They're showing the whole world that we, Belarusians, are open, honest people who oppose violence. I thank the voters who have refused to ex execute criminal orders against their own compatriots. I want to thank those brave enough to have declared strikes. Thank you to the workers of Belarusian Steelworks, the Minsk Electrotechnical Plant, the Minsk Automobile Plant, the IT firms for Belarus Hightech Park, and other associations that have joined in. Let's defend our election together. Sign your name stating that you voted for me, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. There'll be a hyperlink under the video. Please don't stay on the sidelines. Our voices must be heard. And I stand with Tikhanovskaya. Their voices must be heard. You know me, I stand for for liberty and, you know, I call myself political centrist, center-right lately, but one thing's for sure, I can't stand when people like right next to my border, I live 30 kilometers from that border and they're being beaten up and their rights are being trampled on and children are being literally put into hospitals and, and no one knows what's going on 
and the Domon are getting tired from beating people up. I can't stand for that. My show will not stand for that. I will bring this up and tell everyone around you in Western Europe what's happening in Belarus. Because this time, this time we need your support. We need everyone in the Western world to know what's happening in Belarus right now. We need every fucking support that we can get. We need people's eyes to be wide open. We need this to end. And we need one goddamn dictator who's nothing but a cockroach. A vampire cockroach sucking the blood of his own people. A miserable scumbag, a violent piece of shit who has literally drawn the blood of his own people. And he's done that previously too. There have been a lot of political murders which were kind of hush-hush down because of Putin. No, we need to win at Belarus. Because if we win at Belarus like Ukraine was won, then maybe Russia stands a chance too at some point. And I am agitated and I am angry. And I want you to support all of this going on. I'm sorry, guys. The Siberian thing is going on hold until this is done. These are people fighting for liberty, and I will be their voice. Their voice must be heard, and I stand for Tikhanovskaya. Živi Belarus. Do svidanje, and I hope you like this episode. Because for one, I can't stand when people are beaten up brutally just for what they believe in. Do svidanje, tvarish. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.